You're listening to the Bridges Nashville podcast. Bridges is a house church movement meeting in homes all across Music City. To find a house church near you or to find other ways to support or get involved, go to bridgesnashville.com. Well, we kicked off our One Another series a few weeks ago at the listening room uh, during our first Sunday gathering, and we were talking about love one another, the great command that Jesus gave us. In John 13, 34, he, uh, 13, 35, he said, a new command I'm giving you that you love one another as I have loved you. And so we learned that all of these one another statements, there's about 60 one another phrases in the New Testament, they're all built off of this cornerstone of love. You can't do any of the others. You can't pray for one another, encourage, you can't bear one another's burdens without this cornerstone of love. Last week I talked about spurring one another on towards love and good deeds. So clearly that's based off of love. But today we're gonna talk about something that is so key to the gospel, so key to how we live our lives, and especially to how we live our lives with this one another lifestyle. Today's message is called Forgive One Another. And uh, here's where it comes out of. Ephesians 4, verses 31 and 32. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, outcry, and slander, along with every form of malice. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Be kind and tender. Forgive one another. Dad, from that passage in Ephesians, what jumps out immediately to you? Well, I think the the thing that jumps out to me is the uh, requirement to love and forgive as Christ has forgiven us. Um, You know, forgiveness is one of those things um, that is a Christ-like attribute. And, of course, unforgiveness is an anti uh, antithesis of that and so wow. um, so unforgiveness is like um, a poison it's like a bitterness that takes root in our soul mm-hmm. and it can really become a stronghold you know there are many people that are in bondage to unforgiveness it could be unforgiveness towards their parents maybe they went you know are from a broken home and they're uh, offended at their parents and they've carried this weight all their lives or maybe they professionally things didn't work out for them and so they carry this offense in their soul and it really becomes a toxin in their body and mm-hmm. um, and it's a poison and it, it can it can really affect your thinking and it can affect your health your sleep everything and so forgiveness is one of those things that um, you know first of all Christ said if we don't forgive we're not forgiven Wow and so that's uh, if that weren't enough do it for yourself and do it for the liberty in your soul you know, um, people walk around with bitterness and harboring offense, and a lot of times people don't even realize they offended you. Right. And so I don't want to give that authority uh, of unforgiveness in my life to anybody. I don't want to put the key to my happiness in someone else's hand. That's so good. And, um, and yeah, so we, we love to hold grudges. Yeah. And it's so easy for us to you know, have that bitterness towards somebody and they don't even know about it. No. They have no idea no. that they... They're sleeping great. Yeah, they're sleeping <laughs> great. We're the only ones. So at the end of the day, when you hold grudges and you don't forgive, the only person you're really hurting is yourself. And uh, I think that's such a key part in yeah. finding joy is living with forgiveness because then you don't carry that uh, that bitterness and that anger towards people. I think a lot of mental mental health issues come from harboring bitterness and unforgiveness. Wow. You know, my mother worked in a sewing factory much of my childhood, and every day she came home mad at somebody. Mm. And she would come home just muttering and sputtering about somebody did her wrong. And um, and so she, she didn't, she wasn't hurting anybody but herself, because the truth of the matter is probably the person that she was angry at 
didn't know that they even right. rubbed her the wrong way. Right. And so, you know, so here she is going around every day saying, if she does that again, I'm going to do this. Or if she says that again, I'm going to say that. Mm. And um, why, why, why? Yeah. And so it's like taking a poison pill, but if, thinking that it's going to affect the other person. Mm. And so it's really, really a toxin that you have to get rid of. And it's, there's such liberty in refusing offense. Yeah, let's talk a little bit about what it actually means to forgive, because I think we have to understand this. The Greek word is charizomai, charizomai, and it means to show favor or grace towards somebody. It actually means to pardon somebody of wrongdoing. Yeah. And this is exactly what Christ did for us on the cross. You know, our forgiveness was paid for right. by the blood of Jesus. And one of the key parts of the gospel is understanding that we've been forgiven of our past, our sin, our regrets, our mistakes. We've been cleared free of that sin debt and yeah. we've been given life and life to the full. But, you know, I mentioned we love to hold grudges. And I would say to this uh, effect, like hold grace for people, don't hold grudges. You know, every uh, chapter in our Bibles has these chapter titles and the chapter titles here for Ephesians 4, one of the chapter titles is uh, maturity in the body of Christ. And then another one is instructions on Christian living. Okay, so maturity and instructions on Christian, that means this is a very important chapter. That means yeah. we cannot live in a Christ-like manner if we hold grudges and we hold bitterness and we don't forgive other people. And, you know, we've kind of hinted around this idea of just easily being offended. We live in this culture where it's so easy to get offended right. and hold bitterness. Here's what it says in Proverbs 19, verse 11. A person's wisdom yields patience. It is to one's glory to overlook an offense. Let's talk about this for a little bit because you are one of those people in my life that you just don't get offended. Like mm -hmm. you walk with this unoffendability. How do we do that? How do we live in a culture where it almost seems like people are looking for a chance to get offended and we, we're, we're always walking on eggshells, we're afraid of saying the wrong thing so much of the time we don't say anything at all. How do we live with let me say this, how do we live with thick skin and soft hearts? That's one of my prayers that I have for myself, for my family, for our church, that we would live with thick skin and soft hearts. Yeah, well, I think, you know, our culturally we've shifted to this place where everybody wants to be a victim, you know. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm a victim because I was born in this family, or I'm a victim because, you know, my culture has this, or, or um, you know, we live in a poor area, or, or, or whatever. And, um, you know, that. The thing that we need to understand is that our identity is not rooted in all of that stuff. Yeah. Our identity is in Christ. Mm. You know, 2 Corinthians 5.17 talks about us being a new creation. Mm. Well, you know, not only was Jesus crucified for us, he was crucified as us. Wow. And so we were crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives so in good. me. And so a dead person can't get offended. Wow. I was crucified with Christ. Yeah. And so um, I refuse to get offended. I don't, like I mentioned, I don't want to give my, uh, the, the power to offend me, the power to uh, ruin my day. I don't want to put that in somebody else's hand. Mm. And I feel like if Christ was willing to obey the Father and go to the cross out of the love of the Father, for God so loved the world, yeah. and Jesus obeyed his Father, how, what right do I have not to uh, forgive other people? Wow. And um, and so, you know, refuse to be refuse that victim mentality mm. and refuse to live up the live out of the old man and the old nature. 
Um, you know, I was crucified with Christ. A dead man doesn't get offended. Well, it's so key that Paul actually says, you know, throw off malice and anger and slander and bitterness because that's the old person. But he says, take on tenderheartedness, be kind to one another, yeah. forgive one another. One way that I found that's pretty easy to live with an undefendability is just squash things immediately. Yeah. Don't Deal let things or misunderstandings fester. Deal with it, get right to the point, and then give people the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. You know, we were having a conversation earlier. Talk about that a little bit, like how if you understand someone's heart, that their heart is not to hurt you or their heart is not to, to uh, you know, tear you down right how is that kind of take effect and, and how we're not easily offended yeah I mean I think there's a great deal of liberty in giving people the benefit of the doubt if somebody says something that you th you could take either way they did, were they trying to offend me hmm. just say you know I know their heart especially if they're a friend you know like let's say Curtis has a bad day and he says something that's very sharp towards me hmm. all right well first of all I know his heart I've raised him we, we've known each other for his entire life I know he loves me. He yeah. may have just really had a bad day. Just let it go. Yeah. You know that movie the kids watch, Let It Go, Let It Go. <laughs> Frozen. Just let it go. And so um, it's not worth it. And then, you know, if you have the choice, could that, was he trying to offend me? Just to choose, choose to refuse offense. Choose to give him the benefit of the doubt. I probably just had a bad day. And I have learned to live in this place, this sweet spot of being quick to forgive and to be really quick to just ask for forgiveness or ask, you know, clarify. So you know, communication isn't isn't a one-way street. What you communicate and what somebody hears oftentimes is different because it's colored through the lens of their history. It's mm. colored through the lens of their upbringing. It can be their religious yeah. upbringing, their family, their culture, their heritage. And so um, just because I'm understanding what I'm trying to say doesn't mean anybody else is. And my wife and I deal with this all the time because sometimes she'll say things that I'm like, what? And sometimes I'll say things and she'll think, well, that, you know. I think there was a book called Women Are From. <laughs> Men Are From Mars, Women Are From yeah, Mars. Yeah, yeah, to that very point. Yeah, and so, you know, I don't want, I don't want her to think I'm trying to be ugly or, or anything like that. And if I say something wrong, I can only know that if she says, just like you said, let's address it quickly. Did you know you come across that way? Wow. Well, actually, I didn't mean it that way. Oh, yeah. well, this is important. These are very... This and requires... using, key, using key phrases like, here's right. what you said, here's what I heard. Right. Or right. And oftentimes when I'll say something and I, I realize, oh, man, that could have been misconstrued or misunderstood. Right. I'll say... And if you're not sure, just ask. Yeah. Does say, this you know, make sense? Yeah, did, yeah. did you hear me right on that? And yeah. So that's called adulting. Yeah, yeah we got to be adults. Hashtag. <laughs> Hashtag. You know, one of the things, you know, we're talking about forgiving and, and not holding grudges... Uh, Jesus, this was so important to him and his followers. You know, we talked about week one, uh, the love one another message. We, we shared out of John 17, his prayer for unity, his prayer that we would be one as he is one yeah. with the Father. And we learned that that prayer was for us, for everyone that would believe in the disciples' message. Yeah. So if you call yourself a Christ follower, John 17's prayer for unity is for you. Right. And so Jesus cares so much about his followers being united, not bickering with one another, not arguing with one another. Here's what he actually said in Matthew chapter 5. He said, so if you are presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, Leave your sacrifice there at the altar. Go and be reconciled to that person. Then come and offer your sacrifice to God. So reconciliation is so important 
that he says, look, if you're offering a sacrifice and you're doing your religious duty, that doesn't matter if you're holding a grudge and you're harboring bitterness towards somebody. Leave the sacrifice, go, be reconciled, and then come back. Talk about the art of reconciliation and how key that is to the gospel, to be reconciled to each other and to God for just a moment here. Well, and of course, you know, Jesus is talking to people who are still under the Old Covenant. You know, right. it's, we read it in the New Testament, but they're still under the Old Covenant. So we're talking about bringing your sacrifices and everything. But I think the key right there is, you know, your sacrifice is neutralized through your unforgiveness. Wow. And, you know, and, and you know, I've coined the phrase, you know, love is the operating system of the kingdom of God. Right. And, uh, of course, we talk about the love chapter, chapter 13, and love, First uh, uh, Corinthians 13, and then, of course, um, the, the gifts of the Spirit, First Corinthians 12. All of those gifts, all of that stuff operates only effectively if it's done through love. Yeah. I don't want you praying for me if you're not doing it out of love. I don't want you doing that out of religious obligation. That's good. I don't want you to do it because you feel guilty if you don't. I want you to do it out of love. Mm. And, um, and so... You know, you can only do that if you have a, a quick-to-reconcile mentality. Uh, somebody who doesn't allow uh, bitterness and unforgiveness or offense to, to lodge in you so that you yeah. continue to walk. And so reconciliation is so important to just go to people if you're thinking that maybe they got a, a something against you. Just bury it. Just deal with it. And uh, many times there's not even a, a, an offense there. Sometimes I think I offended somebody and I say, hey, did, did, you, did that rub you the wrong way? Because I realized I was a little excited when I said that. And a lot of times they're like, oh, no, I didn't take it that way at all. I actually got a text this morning from somebody that I had met earlier this week and said, hey, I just wanted to clear something. I said something and I don't know if it was, and I didn't even notice it yeah. because I'm walking <laughs> with this. But I think sometimes we play these conversations in our head yeah. and we make up in our mind that this person is mad at me right. when they don't know that. And so it's just so much easier to yeah. live with this idea of quick to forgive, quick to ask forgiveness. I've gotten myself in a lot of trouble over the years where I've said something and uh, I know that if I don't go straight to it and clear the air, yeah. I'm not going to sleep well that night. Right. I'm not going to operate with joy. I'm not going to be happy. I'm not going to live a carefree life. You know, Jesus said, you know, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened for I have rest for you. And Jesus lived with this rest. And I think one of the things that was so amazing about Jesus' ministry is that whether he was healing sins or doing miracles, he was always forgiving people. Yeah. He said, your sins are forgiven. Now go and sin no more. And Jesus was fully man, fully God. And the fact that he lived with this rest, I think forgiveness was tied in to that so key. You know, he has this conversation with one of his disciples, uh, Peter. And Peter probably could have been that friend. We said that he was an EGR friend, extra grace required. Uh, Peter could have been that guy where, you know, Jesus, if he didn't always forgive him, he could have really harbored that bitterness because Peter was always messing up and making mistakes. But there's this key conversation that Peter has as it regards to forgiveness. And here's what it says in Matthew 18. It says, then Peter came to him and asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? No, not seven times, Jesus replied, but 70 times seven. And then Jesus goes on to share the story about a, a rich man who somebody owed him a lot of money and he forgave him of all that debt. And then the guy who was in debt goes out and he demands all of these tiny amounts of money that people owe him because he didn't get it. He didn't understand forgiveness. Mm -hmm. And so the rich person who had forgiven him of all that debt 
finds out about it, throws him in prison and says, you'll be tortured until you can pay, pay off your debt. Farthing, yeah. And this is so key. Talk about that a little bit. What was Jesus trying to get across to us when he told this story to Peter? Yeah, well, the language of the scripture is very metaphorical and figurative. And of course, this is simply a figure of speech where Jesus wasn't saying literally, okay, 70 times 7 is 490. So, yeah, not 7 times, but 490 times. Now, 491 then you can cold cock the guy. Right, right. No, he's not saying that. And so he's saying, really, it's a, it's a figurative language. It's a hyperbole, hyperbole to say, just be forgiving. Just yeah. just let it go. Be forgiving. It's not worth holding on to. And it does, it's not really a literal number. It's a figure of speech to just say, live in forgiveness. Let forgiveness be a lifestyle. Let it be a, a, a value that you carry it's part of your your you know your your root value system. Yeah, and well, and it's so huge this story that demonstrates like how much have we been forgiven? Yeah, I mean, think about all that you've done in your life. Here's the beautiful thing about love and forgiveness. First Corinthians thirteen says, "Love keeps no record yeah. of wrongs." Like your sin, God doesn't remember it because he cares more about what's ahead of you than what's behind you. This is why Paul says, you know, I count everything that's behind me as dung. Like, I don't even think about it because if Paul thought about it, yeah. and, and this is a key part too of forgiveness, if Paul hadn't forgiven himself, yeah. would he have been able to plant all of those churches and disciple all those people, write two thirds of the New Testament? Yeah. If Paul kept remembering every time he went to minister, man, this was a church that I tried to throw in prison, and this is somebody that I had persecuted, and this is the wrong that I had done. If Paul hadn't forgiven himself, yeah, that's crucial. He wouldn't have been effective in ministry, and so I think oftentimes forgiveness is so key for ourselves. Yeah. It's key for other people. It's how we live this one another one another lifestyle. And you know, to be honest, um, we need to understand that there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So if you're carrying unforgiveness toward yourself, yeah. that's a huge freeing piece to live with a forgiving mentality. Yeah, I mean, if we live in bondage to our past, we'll forfeit our future. Wow. And so, you know, Paul, you think about the guilt he probably carried uh, because he was imprisoning believers. Yeah. And then, of course, you know, Christ knocks him off of his high horse and strikes him blind and he says, Whom, you know, uh, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he's like, who am I? Who are you, Lord? Right, he says, right. This is Jesus who you're persecuting. Wow. And so he had this magnificent, uh, dramatic conversion experience. And then he's got to be playing through his mind all the kids, all the women, wow. the husbands, the, the marriages, the families that he broke up. And so he had a lot to forgive himself of. And we yeah. see this, you know, similarly, Peter, you know, I'll never deny you, Lord, even if it cost me my life. And Peter, you know, Peter's, you know, the extra grace needed kind right, of guy. AGR. Yeah, so, and so, um, no, Lord, not me. Even if all these guys do forsake you, not me. Right. And so what does he do? He does exactly what he said he wouldn't do when he hears the cock-a-doodle-doo, you know, that Jesus <laughs> mentioned. He's like, oh, no, what have I done? Yeah. And he went out weeping bitterly. Yet that's the same Peter that on the day of Pentecost, he stood up and prophetically um, interpreted the events of the day and mm. he becomes this magnificent leader yeah. that's really the leader of the early church. I mean, the first half of the book of Acts is really about the ministry of Peter after wow. that. So he was able to forgive himself and pick himself up mm. after that tremendous disappointment. Tremendous. I mean, hey, I've done some bad things yet, but I've never told Jesus I'll never forsake you and <laughs> right to his face and then I did it, you yeah, know? Yeah. And so um, it's so crucial to forgive yourself. I can forgive anybody pretty easily. Uh, 
Wow. But sometimes, because I, you know, you, you make a dumb choice, you say a dumb thing, you realize, and later on it's like, oh, what was I thinking? Mm. Uh, you know, we've got to forgive ourselves just as, as we do other people. That's so huge. So I want to close out with a, a story of forgiveness. But before I do that, I want you to think as you're, you're watching or maybe you're listening on the podcast and you realize, man, I, I really haven't forgiven myself of X, Y, or Z. And you're hanging on to that and you're staying in bondage to your past and it's forfeiting your future, as you just said. I want you to think about that. I want you to think about, is there somebody in your life that you're holding bitterness towards? You haven't forgiven them. Maybe a family member, a friend, a coworker, somebody in your past, somebody that you went to school with, somebody that wronged you, and you've been hanging on to that, that wrongdoing for so long mm. that it's become a cancer in your soul. Yeah. Think about that for a moment, and I want to share this story about one of the most powerful moments of forgiveness for uh, Corey Ten Boom. Corey was a Holocaust survivor. She was harboring uh, Jews and helping them rescue them uh, from the clutches of Nazi Germany. Her family was thrown into prison. Her father and her sister, Betsy, died while in concentration camps in Germany. And uh, Eric Metaxas writes this book, it's called Seven Women, where he profiled seven epic women in history, shares their biographies and their faith stories. And this is what he wrote about Corey Ten Boom. After World War II, Corey was traveling around Europe, sharing her testimony and sharing about the power of forgiveness. So that's why it's so key for today's message. Listen to this. It says, at the close of the service that Corey was preaching, a balding man in a gray overcoat stepped forward to greet her. Corey froze. She knew this man well. He was one of the most vicious guards at Ravensbrook, one who had mocked the women prisoners as they showered. It came back with a rush, she wrote. The huge room with its harsh overhead lights, the pathetic pile of dresses and shoes in the center of the floor, the shame of walking naked past this man. And now he was pushing his hand out to shake hers and saying, a fine message, Fraulein. How good is it to know that as you say, all of our sins are at the bottom of the sea. And I, Corey wrote, who had spoken so glibly of forgiveness, fumbled in my pocketbook rather than take that hand. He wouldn't remember me, of course. How could he remember one prisoner among the thousands of women? But I remembered him and the leather crop swinging from his belt. I was face to face with one of my captors and my blood seemed to freeze. You mentioned Ravensbrook in your talk, he was saying. I was a guard there, but since that time, I've become a Christian. I know that God has forgiven me for all of the cruel things that I did there, but I would like to hear it from your lips as well, Fraulein. Again, his hand came out. Will you forgive me? And I stood there, I whose sins had again and again to be forgiven and could not forgive. Betsy had died in that place. How could he erase that terrible death simply by asking? The soldier stood there expectantly, waiting for Corey to shake his hand. She wrestled with the most difficult thing she ever had to do. She writes, for I had to do it. I knew that the message that God forgives has a prior condition that we forgive those who have injured us. So standing before this former SS man, Corey remembered that forgiveness is an act of the will, not an emotion. Jesus, help me, she prayed. I can lift my hand. I can do that much. You supply the feeling. So Corey thrust out her hand. And as I did, she writes, an incredible thing took place. The current started in my shoulder, raced down my, my arm, sprung into our joined hands, and then this healing warmth seemed to flood my whole being. 
bringing tears to my eyes. I forgive you, brother, she cried, with all of my heart. For a long moment, we grasped each other's hands, the former guard and the former prisoner. I had never known God's love so intensely as I did then, but even so, I realized it wasn't my love. I had tried, and I didn't have the power within me. It was the power of the Holy Spirit. And I want to tell you today that you don't have the power within you right. to forgive anyone, but the Christ in you, the Holy Spirit working in and through you will give you the power to forgive others, to forgive yourself. And so I want to close out, Dad, can you just pray for us, for anyone who's harboring bitterness, for anyone who's holding on to unforgiveness towards themselves or towards others, and just pray a prayer of freedom today. Yeah. And, you know, I think that there's something to mention here with what's written there by uh, Corey Tamboom or about Corey. You know, to the initial response was that she had this hook in her heart when she saw this guy. Mm-hmm. And to know, you know, you'll know if you have unforgiveness against somebody that you still have to deal with. It was when you see that person, whether it's a man or a woman, you know, what emotion arises within you. Dude, that's so good. Uh, it, because if, if you have negative feelings that arise within you, you still need to release them. Yeah. And so, but then she said, you know, this love flooded over her. And so the love, the God kind of love that's referred to in scripture is the agape. It's uh, it's the unlimited commitment. It's not merely a feeling, but it's an unlimited commitment. And that's that 70 times seven. Yeah. It's not, it's not about the number. It's about a, a, a lifestyle of an unlimited commitment. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, love is the unlimited commitment. It's, you know, forgiving, uh, loving one another giving one another the benefit of the doubt, refusing offense. And so, yeah. so Lord, I just pray over every person that's listening to us today. Jesus. Father, I pray that the love that you had, the love that caused you to even wash Judas's feet mm. when you knew he was going to betray you, you washed his feet as you did the other disciples and served them and loved him. Father, I pray that that kind of love, the agape, yes. For God so agape the world that he sent his son. Let us have that kind of love, the Christ kind of love. And Father, I pray that that takes root in us because the operating system of the kingdom of God is love. Apart from that love, anything we do is just noise and activity. Mm. And so, Father, I pray that every one of us would release unforgiveness, release bitterness, release offense, and refuse to let it control our lives and control our thoughts. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Bridges Nashville podcast. To stay up to date on everything going on at Bridges, you can find us online at facebook.com slash Bridges Nashville or at Bridges Nashville on Instagram.